and welcome to Laying the Points, a word of his podcast brought to you by my bookie. I'm Anthony Amico. You can find me on Twitter at Amixta. And my co-host is Action Network writer Matt LaMarca, who you can follow on Twitter at Matt LaMarca. Matt, how's it going? Good, dog. Uh, happy to be back, dominating the New York market, back to number one. <laughs> the number one thing is my favorite by far. Gotta be. Uh, huge fan of Mike being back. New York sports radio has just been very, very, very poor with him gone. So hopefully uh, keep the fire going. Yep, that was my uh, my Mike Francesa. If uh, you're not a New Yorker, which you're probably not, but uh, he's back, which means less Bart Scott in my life, which is always a positive. So, oh yeah, yeah. I'll be, Bart uh, Scott. I'll be slipping some Francesa in throughout this podcast, un- undoubtedly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Bart Scott really did like one thing that I have ever really cared about, and it was that that post game interview. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get into the show, I just want to remind everyone you can get a listener's only 30% discount to Rotoviz NFL Pass by subscribing through the podcast homepage or rotoviz.com slash podcast. We're going to give you a quick NBA playoffs update tonight that we're going to talk NFL divisional odds. Very exciting. We'll talk maybe a little bit of draft in there as well. But first, just to give you guys a recap on uh, the bankroll contest, I mean, the utter domination by Matt at this point is it really can't kind of be undersold. Uh, my ROI has dropped to about 3% on bets. Matt's is at 16% and uh, had a pretty big weekend. So, you know, huge bet on the Cavs. Uh, you know, a couple other things are coming through. We're starting to get, you know, those first round futures finally hit uh, for a bunch of teams that we had. And uh, now we're looking forward to round two. So, uh, you know, a lot of good stuff. Uh, you did really well also on draft night. Um, you know, I, I pretty much just had the one Baker bet. That was good. But uh, you overall did pretty well. And, uh, yeah, just, you're kicking the crap out of me. Yeah. I mean, the, the Cavs thing, uh, was a whole situation that we won't, we won't really get into, but, uh, I ended up being in, in for Cleveland money line on game seven, way more than I would have liked to have been. Uh, but that ended up working out. You know, I figured you can't really go, go wrong with a, you know, LeBron game seven money line bet. And, it, and we lucked out having the money line. Because Oladipo would have hit a three there for a meaningless backdoor cover for everybody who had Cleveland, you know, minus four to five and a half. So uh, that that worked out. Um, you know, we we were both all in on the Jazz for the series. They ended up winning in six. Could have very easily won in five. So I was happy about that. Uh, I got my Celtics series bet in. They ultimately needed seven games, but I trusted Brad Stevens to get it done. And uh, yeah, like you said, draft night was good for me. It was a lot of fun to to sort of sweat that out. I think that's probably the first time I've ever made bets on the draft. But uh, I hammered Baker under six and a half earlier in the week. Luckily got it that morning for him to be the first pick at plus 250. He ended up dropping to something like minus 200 by the time that the draft actually started. So, uh, you know, that was fortu- uh, fortuitous timing for me there. And then uh, I hit that under on the three wide receivers drafted in the first round prop. So yeah, I had a good draft and uh, looking to keep it going. Got some got some good stuff for us this week. I think I'm I'm gonna give away some horse racing picks at the end. So yeah, it should be fun. Should be a good time. Oh yeah, that Kentucky Derby week is when all the degens come out, right? Like oh. that's. <laughs> I want to be like Wes Welker, just handing out hundreds to random people that I see. <laughs> 
I love it. Well, let's uh, get into the NBA playoffs a little bit. Uh, just you know, three quick points here. Uh, the Rockets and the Warriors for round two, massive favorites uh, against obviously uh, Utah and uh, right. So you know, we made I made a little bit of money on the Pelicans in round one, but you know, round two, huge dogs. Any value in betting the favorites here? Nah, I don't think so. I don't even think you can bet the Warriors anymore. They're at least off the board at the moment, being that they're up 2-0, and uh, the Rockets are minus 4,500, but I don't feel like uh, you can take the Jazz here, even though it is moving to Utah now. And I do like the Jazz as a team. Uh, the Rockets are just too good. Too good and not enough Rubio. That's that's my thing. Yeah, that's an, that's for sure. He was arguably their best player in in the first round series so yep i'm happy that it um it took a long time but i'm happy really happy we finally got to ricky rubio best player on a playoff playoff series win yeah for sure i was very high on him going into this uh season like i i loved what he did down the stretch for minnesota last year but he kind of disappointed me there like i was very high on him from a dfs and even a seasonal fantasy perspective um it he he definitely has a little bit of that Boris Diaw in him where like he could dominate games if he wants to, but he doesn't always want to. So it's it's nice to see him actually do it when he needs to. I 100% agree. Now, in the East, the Raptors fell to 0-1 against LeBron and the Cavs, who had a obviously the big win in Game 7 against the Pacers. Uh, what do you bank on uh, – sorry, would you bank – on the Raptors bouncing back to win the series. You can now get them as a plus 120 underdog, or are you riding the king at minus 145? Yeah, we talked about this a little bit before recording. I think that getting the Raptors at plus 120 is is pretty nice value. Um, they're obviously down, you know, but that first game could have gone either direction. Uh, it was an overtime game. The Raptors had a bunch of good looks to potentially win it at the end of regulation, including a point-blank tip shot missed by Jonas Valanciunas. So uh, I think the Raptors are still definitely the better team. Wouldn't have shocked me if the Cavs lost in the first round. So uh, I expect them to, you know, win game two here. Uh, I think that that's going to be a bet for me for sure. And then hopefully split in Cleveland and get back to Toronto with with home court back on their side. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty surprised that the series flipped so quickly. I mean, like you said, like obviously they lost home court. And I guess, you know, it's it's like holding serve, you know. But, like, the Raptors are just so much better. <laughs> I, I, Cleveland really limped to the finish line. I felt like that game went seven, and they legit, except for the one game where they blew out Indiana, they legitimately could have lost every, you know, every other game in that series. Yeah. It's bad when you, like, need George Hill to be a factor for you. And right. that was, like, the big thing in game seven was, like, Oh, George Hill and Tristan Thompson gave the Cavs what they needed. That to me is a bad sign. Yeah, I totally agree. Now the other East matchup is pretty interesting to me, at least. Uh, Celtics took a one nothing lead. Uh, they are still plus one ninety underdog to the Seventy Sixers. Do you think that they can pull off the upset? It's interesting to me because they are expected to get Jalen Brown back now. Yeah. Um, I think that they are the better value right now. That the way the lines are presented especially considering they still are at home for another game. Um, but I do think the 76ers are the better team. So this is a no bet for me. Uh, I know that you hopped in on the Celtics again here. You took them before game one 
And I think that bet is only going to look sharper as this series goes on. Yeah, that's my hope. I mean, I've, I've been kind of just looking at a bunch of the stuff from smart people online. Like, I, I, you know me, like I don't watch a ton of basketball during the season. That's really more your angle. Um, but, you know, one of my favorite follows on the, on the interwebs uh, at American Numbers always posts like this stuff from basically his NBA model. And it's been really, really sharp. I mean, it had uh, the Pelicans at 65% to win in round one. And uh, that obviously came to fruition. And pretty much he just had this as like closer to a coin flip of a series, which is kind of how I felt going in just because of the coaching edge uh, and the fact that, you know, Philly had kind of never been there before. Um, so the, the betting odds just didn't really reflect that to me. You know, they were over plus 300 underdogs. Uh, you know, plus 190, I think, is probably a little more reflective of their true odds to, to win the series. But even that, I think, is, is worth betting on. I, I do like Boston. I think that they have a really good shot uh, to get it done against Philly. Yeah, I mean, it's a great testament to coaching. I mean, if they can win this series, too, without Kyrie Irving and with missing Jalen for game one, like, Brad Stevens should just start planning, you know, what pose he wants his statue of him built in. hundred percent. I mean, what's crazy is that it really, like, last last summer, all everyone could talk about is, like, what are the moves that Boston's going to make to, like, catch up to some of these other teams or to maybe prepare for the future? Um, and Ainge kind of, like, went half and half, you know, like, they, they got the draft pick and... They, you know, they, they signed Hayward and then they traded for Kyrie. Like they, they've made a bunch of moves and like, you can really see this team competing for a title or at least, you know, the Eastern conference title, uh, you know, every year, like going forward, cause they're going to have those guys back next year and they're already so good. Like the coaching and the, the style that they play is just really impressive. And obviously Brown is kind of just coming to his own. Yep, for sure. And yeah, like you said, Getting uh, Jason Tatum this year in the draft, but also being able to secure the Sacramento first rounder, uh, not for this year, but for the following year, you know, they're they're only going to get better. Like, uh, I do think that the, the hype on Tatum might be a little uh, overblown. Like, some people on Celtics Twitter are, are a little crazy. And, like, you know, the question of would you trade him for Anthony Davis has been, like, seriously floated out there. And, like, people are hesitant, which to me is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they do have enough star power. But if LeBron leaves the East, you know, and Philly doesn't add, uh, like, another key guy, they will, uh, I think, be the favorites next year with Kyrie Irving back and with Gordon Hayward hopefully fully healthy. All great things. And, of course, you know, as a, as laboring Knicks fans, we just watched the Celtics and the Sixers be really good and, and us be really terrible. So there you go. Let's talk football, Matt. This is something that always makes me feel a lot better about my terrible teams. Um, we'll start in the AFC because, uh, you know, they've my bookies posted all these divisional odds. Uh, no win totals yet. I have seen those posted at some other books. But, uh, you know, pretty soon we're going to have those win totals up. And I, I'm sure we'll do a show on that. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but right now, just divisional odds. In the AFC East, the Pats are a minus 850 favorite. Then you have the Jets at plus 800. Dolphins and Bills are both at plus 1,000. I mean, the Pats are the obvious favorite here, Matt. Is there any value at all to taking them at minus 850? Probably not, in my opinion. I mean, I I had seen some stuff earlier where they were closer to like minus 500. To me, that would have been a smash bet because this team is by far the best team in this division. But... 
you know, God forbid Brady gets hurt or something like that. Like, only bad things can happen once you start getting up that high. So, uh, are the Pats probably going to win? Yeah, of course. But would I actually lay the 850 on them? Nah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I don't, not that like you always want to be a plus money better. I mean, we've talked about that before, but like you you definitely don't want to make a habit of laying like these big numbers because like you said, it doesn't factor in the fact that like at some points, like someone's going to get injured or, or someone's going to be really good. I mean, the Jets here at plus 800, you never know, you know, the Jets just drafted a new quarterback. They've made some moves in the off season. Maybe they're good. Um, yeah, but, I doubt they get that good, but um, I do hear what you're saying. Like, it's not like the Pats. Uh, I would say that this is not one of their best teams, at least at the moment. You know, I don't right. think they necessarily smashed the draft. You know, they took a running back in the first round in Sony Michel, who I think is a, a fine player. But you know, like, was that their biggest need? They already have like seven running backs on their roster, so. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't like thrilled with what they did there, and I think that ultimately this is just going to be an average version of the Patriots team, which still probably puts them on pace for like 12 wins. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't actually bet them here. I think there's probably more value in taking them to, to win the conference or, or even win the Super Bowl than laying the big odds to win the division. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I mean, like I don't... I don't, is this is it even a hot take to say this? I think this is like pretty obvious. But like Belichick isn't even really that great of a drafter. Like especially on offense, he's pretty buns. Defense, he usually finds like a couple diamonds. But like the reason that the Patriots are traditionally very very good is because they usually have a bunch of picks, so yep. they just get they get a lot more shots. You know, that's the one thing that I would say Belichick does really well when he drafts is uh, he doesn't get married to particular players. Like he doesn't look at it and say, "Oh, we need this guy at this pick." He is always looking to trade down, and uh, that obviously has proven to be the most successful long-term drafting strategy. Absolutely. Uh, now, the Jets, like I said, Matt, plus 800, and they did secure Sam Darnold at number three. Uh, any shot you think that they're ready to contend this year? It's interesting because I think if Darnold is good, like I do think that this team could turn things around relatively quickly. Um that's always how it is, right? You know, like the quarterback is just that important and they do have some pieces on defense. Uh, I think that they could be okay. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I think that their early win total was released at six and, you know, if Darnold looks good in the preseason, I could see that getting even a little bit higher. So uh, I think that this team is intriguing. They, to me, have the potential to definitely be the second best team in this division. But, uh, again, yeah, like, no shot of catching the Patriots. <laughs> All right, now in the AFC North, uh, it's only slightly more competitive based on the odds. Uh, Steelers are minus 380 favorites. Ravens plus 380. Bengals plus 750. Browns plus 880. Uh, Matt, do you like any of the underdogs at their current division odds? And is this the year the Browns finally move out of the cellar? That's an old dog. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that uh, I like the Steelers here. Uh, I would lay the 380 with them. I really think that offensively, this might be the best offense in the league. Like We know about Le'Veon Bell. We know about Antonio Brown. Juju Smith-Schuster became sort of a household name down the stretch. And uh, I was talking up James Washington on the last show that we did, and the Steelers ended up grabbing him in the second round. So... I think that in terms of weapons, this team is right up there. Uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, for what it's worth, 
has definitely lost a step, but he can still get the job done. And I don't think any of these teams are really that ready to compete. I do like the Ravens. Like, I liked what the Ravens did in the draft, especially getting Lamar Jackson. But that's more of a future move than a, you know, help them this year type of move. So uh, I would definitely eat the chalk here. Uh, I'm curious what you have to say, though. Yeah, I mean, I I think that Pittsburgh is in a, an interesting spot offensively because obviously they got rid of Todd Haley. Uh, and they replaced him with uh, Randy Fitchner, who's pretty much just been like a, a Pittsburgh coach for the last decade. He was a receivers coach, then he was the quarterbacks coach. Uh, now he's the OC. So I, I kind of feel like this was a move to placate Roethlisberger, who pretty clearly didn't like Haley at all. Uh, so I, I kind of <laughs> think fair, that— I don't think anybody likes Todd Haley. Yeah, and it's crazy because, like, <laughs> like, he clearly produced, like, the best he ever has under Haley, and he just hated him the whole way. Like, that's really difficult to do. Um, so I think that this is we're going to see a very Big Ben-centric offense, like a lot of Ben calling the plays, a lot of Ben freedom. Uh, which I think is probably good for Pittsburgh. I mean, they're a really good offense. Like you mentioned, all the weapons. Uh, I'm, yeah, I don't think that Baltimore is going to be that close. I don't think Bengals are going to get close. I think that the Browns, the Browns are a team like I'm definitely thinking over on their win total whenever that comes out because I do think that Cleveland has talent. Uh, you know, that pretty much just hinges on Hugh Jackson being moderate instead of being terrible. But uh, yeah, I mean, none of these teams I think can compete. It does feel pretty much as close to the same level of a lock. Maybe probably not as close as the Patriots, but uh, you know, for the difference in odds, I think I definitely feel better laying the 380. What do you think about, I mean, I know you said you like the Browns potentially to go over. Uh, it already sounds like there's some sharp action on their over coming in, but I feel like the Browns are always a sharp team, and at least for the past few years, they've disappointed. And I really wasn't that blown away with their draft. Like, you know, we both were, were higher on Mayfield than others, but uh, the number four pick, you know, I, I felt like that was a prime spot to take Bradley Chubb, and uh, I thought that that was a little bit of a disappointment, in my opinion, going with the cornerback instead, which is just not as important a position. So uh, I'm curious what you thought of their draft and if you think that, you know, any of those guys are really going to be able to help them this year. Yeah, I mean, the draft was average. Like, I mean, kudos to Cleveland for taking the correct quarterback at one overall in, in Mayfield, because I do think he's the best one. Well, that's still yet to be determined. <laughs> well, I, I, honestly, I just didn't think that anyone would pull the trigger on that. And, it's like, it very just seems, gutsy. Very yeah, gutsy, for sure. It, it seems like the more information we've gotten, like, the more it seems like he was also the top quarterback for a lot of other teams. And I, I really didn't expect that from the NFL, because, you know, he does seem like more of like a hashtag analytics pick. And uh, I'm pretty happy that that teams have at least valued Mayfield. Like you said, we'll see kind of who he is, but uh, I'm pretty excited about that. I mean, the Ward pick, yeah, like should they have taken Bradley Chubb? Maybe, but at least Ward is still like an elite prospect at his position. Uh, and I also liked Austin Corbett, the guard they took out of Nevada. Right. But like after that, the rest of their draft kind of sucked. Like <laughs> I didn't think that Nick Chubb was a necessity at the top of the second round. I thought that there were a lot of really good players especially on the defensive side of the ball that kind of slipped into the second round, like Harold Landry. Uh, that would have been a pick that I would have liked a lot more instead of taking a running back when they already had Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. Uh, and then, you know, taking Antonio Callaway to start day three, that was a move that like generated some buzz on Twitter. But like you already have Josh Gordon, you already have uh, Corey Coleman, you already have Jarvis Landry, like you have David Njoku. There's really no 
like, even if Antonio Callaway was good, there probably isn't like a ton of opportunity for him to catch the ball. And you bring him into like, right. The situation, you know, like, I, I said that when he got drafted, like, you know, Josh, Josh Gordon. Great. I'm glad you finally got your, your life cleaned up. Now we're going to introduce, you know, a guy who clearly has some drug issues into your, you know, position room with you. So right. I, I thought that that was a questionable move, especially given the depth that they have at the position. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I think the one team, if you look at Pythagorean win totals, which is something I like to use, the Ravens definitely appear to have gotten a little bit unlucky last year. But they just are a team that, like, nothing jumps out about them. You know what I'm saying? They're kind of like a boring team. And I know that that shouldn't be something that deters us from betting on them. But I'm trying to find a reason why this team, you know, could win more games than the Steelers. And I and I just can't do it. I mean, if they go to Lamar Jackson, I, I will tell you that I think that their odds will improve. Just because, I mean, Flacco is awful. He's so, 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 so bad for a quarterback that, like, has had at least traditionally very good job security. And uh, I really like what the team has put around Lamar Jackson. Like, I, at first I was really bummed. Because obviously, you know, I'm a, I'm a Lamar Jackson Debbie owner. Like, I was bummed because I was really hoping for Saints when they traded up. But, like, the the Ravens really have a great infrastructure for Lamar. You know, Marty Morningweg is the OC. He was the OC when Mike Vick was in uh, Philly. And the assistant head coach is Greg Roman, who was the OC when Colin Kaepernick was actually really good in San Francisco. So really good coaches, I think, that will understand, like, how to use him best. And I do think that he's a quality prospect. So whenever they decide to make that move, uh, you know, I think that that will benefit them in terms of the win column. And like you said, the Pythagorean wins say they got a little unlucky last year. So maybe uh, maybe they can catch a little lightning on the bottle there in uh, on two different fronts. Makes sense. AFC South. This is the most wide open division so far. Jags and Texans are tied at plus 150. Colts and Titans are tied at plus 330. Matt, this seems wide open. Who do you like here? And uh, do any of these teams stand out to you in terms of what they did in the draft? Uh, I'm going to take the Colts here at plus 330. I mean, maybe that's a little bit of a square line of thinking. But uh, if Andrew Luck is back, you know, they clearly have the best quarterback in the division. You know, no disrespect to Deshaun Watson, who I love, but he's just not Andrew Luck at this point in his career. And uh, I love what they did in the draft, adding a couple of early offensive linemen to hopefully uh, bolster his protect- protection. So if they could keep him upright, that would really be a first in his career where he hasn't been, you know, running for his life on virtually every play. Um, you know, his weapons probably aren't as good as they've been. They lost Dante Moncrief, but I don't really think that's ultimately that important. Like, I think keeping Luck upright is going to ensure wins for the Colts. Uh, you know, there's some risk and that's why this line I think is at plus three thirty. but, uh, I definitely think that there's some value there considering the quarterback. Yeah. And the Colts threw a bunch of darts at receiver in the draft, uh, Doris Fontaine, uh, they signed Steve Ishmael, they drafted Deion Kane. So they, they did, they're, they are at least bringing in a bunch of young bodies and Moncrief wasn't really setting the world on fire anyway. So I kind of think he's pretty easily replaceable. Uh, so I'm I'm in on your line of thinking, but I'm actually going with the other team at plus three thirty. I'm going with Tennessee. Ugh. I mean, they're, I'm just saying they're the only one that I don't think can win it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm a huge Mariota nut rider, so that's that's a huge factor. But I really just think that like the coaching difference 
I love the move to get Mike Vrabel, uh, Mike Vrabel. And I do think that this is a team that doesn't have a ton of holes. I mean, they already signed Malcolm Butler. I think that their secondary overall is going to be very, very good. I think that the quarterback and the offensive line situation is very good. The receivers have another year in the offense, especially the young guys like Taewon and uh, Corey Davis. And I think that if this team, you know, loosens the reins a little bit, that was kind of my big thing when Malarkey was there is that they weren't really letting Mariota do Mariota things. They were kind of trying to play him, you know, in the pocket and all that stuff. And I think you got to let Mariota run, use his legs and, uh, you know, get a little tempo into the offense instead of this like slow pace run oriented thing they were doing last year. So I, I think that they have the quarterback, they have the system offensively to get it done. And, you know, they only made four picks in the draft, but their first two, I think are instant impact guys. Rashawn Evans out of Alabama. I think he slots right in, in the inside linebacker position and uh, Howard Landry, even if he's not an every down player, uh, he's a really productive pass rusher. And he's someone that you can get on the field right away. It's obviously something that you want, you know, in the NFL to be able to get after the quarterback and especially in that division uh, with Deshaun Watson and uh, the aforementioned luck. So, you know, I, that's a big reason for why I like Tennessee. I also kind of think that Jacksonville and, and Houston are two pretty obvious regression candidates. I mean, I know it's, it's hard to, it's weird calling Houston a regression candidate when they only won like four games last year, but uh, just off of what like Deshaun Watson did as the starter, I think that it's really easy to kind of overrate what the team could be. Um, you know, I don't think it's crazy to suggest that like Watson scoring like four touchdowns a game as a starter isn't really going to hold up. Uh, and traditionally, like these all time great defenses, like what Jacksonville had last year, like usually that doesn't hold up over time either. So I would imagine that they're at least slightly worse uh, this season defensively. Maybe they make it up on offense, but I, I don't really think so. I'd rather just bet Tennessee. This is a big year for me on Mariota because. I feel like he's kind of lived off of reputation. I mean, especially last year, he was bad. Uh, he, oh, was, yeah. he was not a good quarterback last year, but everybody still kind of treats him as though he's an elite quarterback, especially in the fantasy industry. Like, you you know, if you do a uh, super flex league, he's routinely coming off the board as one of the top quarterbacks where people sort of overvalue youth at the position. But um, you know, I, I kind of have been saying this about like Andrew Wiggins in the NBA, like there are these guys who kind of sort of get anointed before they should be. And I'm ready for Mariota to prove something to me. So I think this is a big year now that he won't be in the exotic smash mouth offense. <laughs> All right. AFC West, another close one. Chargers are favored at plus 150 Raiders plus 220 Chiefs and Broncos at plus 250. Uh, Chargers are slight favorites here, Matt. They've gotten a lot of praise for their draft. Uh, do you think that maybe this team is being slightly overvalued at the moment? Uh, I, I think that they are rightfully the favorites in this division, but I kind of like the, the Broncos at plus 250. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm overvaluing Nick Chubb here, but I really like the thought of him and Von Miller being sort of bookends rushing the passer. Like, I think that that really covers up a lot of holes in your defense. And the Broncos' defense is pretty good to begin with. You know, their secondary might be a little bit worse this year, but if those two guys can combine for, you know, 20-plus sacks, that would be a huge thing. Um, they should get better quarterback play this year from Case Keenum. And, uh, you know, I think that overall this team is is pretty solid. Uh, the Chargers, like, are always that team, right? They're that team that loses games that they shouldn't. 
Um, they always seem to, especially early in the season, put themselves into a hole and then they're trying to claw their way out in the second half of the year. And while I do like what they did, I mean, Derwin, Derwin James was a really good pick at where they got him. Like, is he going to all of a sudden change the culture for that team? I, I'm not 100% sure. The one team that I think we're, we can both agree to cross off here is the Raiders at plus 220. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how they're not last. Like <laughs> the so John weird. Gruden, the, the John Gruden era is here, and it is not good. Like <laughs> they, they, they really, they should have taken Derwin James, and instead they drafted Colton Miller, who's like let me tell you about project. Colton Miller, man. That guy is a football player. <laughs> yeah, like I just don't get it. I mean, the, the thing with Derwin that I do like is like every report that you hear says that he's like a real alpha dog in the locker room, which I, I always like those kind of guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, the chargers were a team that were unlucky last year in terms of Pythagorean wins. And, you know, we should mention that the Pythagorean wins is really just wins, expected wins based on uh, points scored and points against. So, uh, the chargers were about two wins below what they should have had last year. You know, so really this is like a 10 or 11 win team probably got a little bit better. Uh, and I think that, you know, they still have rivers. They can score points, and defensively, their secondary is probably one of the two or three best in football. Great secondary uh, for sure, yeah, and great so pass I, rushers, obviously. Hundred uh, percent. So I, I don't think you can. I, I wouldn't shame you for for making that bet, but I do like the Denver call, Matt. I mean, I think that something that no one's really talking about is just that that this team is is going kind of all in here on Case Keenum. Like this was a, Denver was a team we all expected would take a quarterback in the draft. Passed on Josh Rosen in round one, uh, you know, and then didn't take a quarterback at all. Uh, but they did draft two receivers, Cortland Sutton and De- Deshaun Hamilton. Like, I-, I think that this team is going to be willing to throw the football a good bit. And that really increases to me their their win outlook because we know that passing is more efficient than rushing. We know that Case Keenan was really good last year. And it sounds like they're trying to surround him with a bunch of weapons, maybe, maybe play a little more spread, which I think would really play to Keenan's strengths. And uh, a lot of the pieces of that defense are still there. I know that Akeem Talib is gone, but, you know, for the most part, they still have a lot of really good parts of the secondary. Chris Harris is still there, obviously. And uh, you mentioned the bookend pass rush of Chubb and uh, Von Miller. I think that's going to be really dangerous. So, yeah, I'm with you on Denver. Yep, and don't sleep on uh, Royce Freeman. I know that that was your boy coming into the draft. Or one of your boys. Like, I I totally expect him to win that role in Denver, and he is someone to, I think, be very high on from a fantasy perspective. Absolutely. Workhorse. Proven workhorse at Oregon. He's got good feet. Gotta like the guys with the good feet. And, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Before we get into the NFC side of things, I just want to talk to you a minute about my bookie. Are you sick and tired of getting the runaround when you ask for a payout? Come and join my bookie today. I would only recommend a service that has been good to me and my listeners that's so why I'm telling you to make your way over to my bookie. You win, they pay, and they pay fast without any hassles. You are absolutely wasting your time betting anywhere else. Their customer service is great. They get right back to you. They even have in-game live betting, so you can place a bet after tip-off. I've actually been slacking a little bit on my live betting. i got to kind of get back on that bus. Uh, but join now, and my bookie will match your first deposit with a 50% bonus. Use promo code LANGTHEPOINTS to activate the special offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Mybookie.ag. Let's get into the NFC divisional odds, Matt. NFC East, also known as the NFC Least. 
Uh, Eagles at minus 220 are the favorites. Cowboys are plus 280. Giants are plus 580. And Redskins are plus 580. Uh, Matt, I mean, the Eagles obviously won the Super Bowl, but they are only minus 220 to win their division this season. Seems a little low. Do you like them to win, or are you rolling with one of the underdogs? I agree. I think it's too low. Uh, I do think that there are some legitimate threats to them in the Cowboys and the Giants. Uh, And I know that you aren't happy about what the Giants did during the draft, but uh, I still think that this team clearly underperformed last year, given their talent, and that they are going to um, sort of bounce right back as long as Eli isn't awful, which I don't think is, is a lock. Like, I think that there is still a scenario where Eli Manning, you know, has just a dreadful, dreadful year, and the Giants are picking back at the top again, but uh, I would say that their median outcome is something closer to, like, eight wins. Um, but yeah, I think that the Eagles arguably are the most talented team in all of football. Uh, I think they had a solid draft. I love that they traded out of the first round, picked up some picks. Um, the tight end that they took out of a South Dakota State, go Jackrabbits. I think he can make an impact for them, sort of filling in that Trey Burton role. Um, and yeah, I think that overall this team is just just really, really good. So I don't know why we wouldn't be taking them here, uh, given that it's only minus 220. Yeah, I mean, they made moves to improve their roster even further in the offseason. They, they traded for Michael Bennett. Uh, you mentioned that they drafted Dallas Goddard, the tight end. And uh, I actually like a couple of the defensive picks they made in the fourth round, Avante Maddox out of Pittsburgh at corner, and uh, Josh Sweat from Florida State defensive end. I mean, he was a guy who he didn't have some knee issues, which, I mean, obviously that's a concern in professional football. Um but like in terms of like right now, what he can do, he's a first round caliber prospect. So, you know, the defense for Philly just continues to get better. Uh, and I'm not 100 percent sure how impactful this will be. But I just wanted to note that they drafted a, a rugby player at tackle in the seventh round, which I thought was really neat. I saw some yeah. of the rugby highlights. The dude is like a monster. Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that every year we see guys with, you know, medical red flags fall. And it's always like. There's two schools of thought, right? One is that every player has inherent injury risk. So even if the guy is only going to play, you know, four years, there's no guarantee that whoever you would pick instead of this guy would only play four years. So, uh, yeah, I like the the sweat pick. Um, We'll see if he does stay on the field. It's always easy to give those picks, you know, high grades, though, I will say. And, uh, you know, sort of when you're when you're going through reviewing the draft because you're like, oh, this was a guy who was a first round talent that they got in the fourth round. We'll give this pick an A or an A plus or whatever. Like that's always very easy to do. But um, we'll actually see if this guy pans out. But, yeah, it's it's hard to knock the talent that they got that late in the draft. Yeah. And I I like those kinds of moves when you don't have a first round pick, you know, like. Right. It's like you don't have a high pick, but you get a shot at maybe getting that caliber of a player. So, I mean. I think the Eagles are, are a smash lock. Like <laughs> I would, they're, I would they're a great bet, team. Yeah, I would bet a ton on Philly because, like, th- these other teams, like Dallas, the Giants, like maybe they compete. Like I could see them making the playoffs, but I'm just, I'm really not positive how they would win the division because even because the Philly is like the one team where if their quarterback gets hurt, you don't necessarily throw in the towel on them because Foles won the Super Bowl for them last year, <laughs> right? So, like, I, I don't really see kind of, like, where the edge is for any of these other teams. Like, I, the Giants, for sure, have, like, the pieces on defense to compete. And their offense, like, 
Loaded offense. Loaded. I get you. Especially <laughs> as when Matt, they signed Dez. Right. Yeah. Especially <laughs> once they signed Dez and win us all the money. But like, I, I can't believe I, as mad as I am about the Saquon pick, like they're just loaded with young offensive players. Like they have Saquon, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Odo Beckham, and then just old ass Eli running the show. Like, <laughs> right. And they did bring in three new linemen to yep. protect him, you know, arguably the best left tackle available in Nate Solder. Uh, and then two guards, one as a free agent from the Jaguars, and then one uh, in the early second round who sounds like he's just an absolute mauler, which was great, you know, to pair with Saquon Barkley. So it's interesting. We always joke about how it's always a bad pick to take a running back this early, but uh, these teams continue to win games when they do it. So I am definitely going to be betting the Giants over just for that reason. The Giants over, I think, will end up being a good bet. And you know, I don't know if, if you could just get Giants to make the playoffs at like plus 350 or something like that. Like that to me is like a better bet because I, yeah. I just don't think they're going to win the division. For sure. I think that, yes, as we get closer, you know, to uh, to opening day, what do you call it in the NFL? It's not really uh, opening day. Opening kickoff? Week one? Opening weekend? You know, I, yeah. I don't know. As we get closer, I'm sure there will be more lines like that posted. NFC North, we've got a tie up top. Vikings and Packers at close to even money, plus 110. Lions at plus 500, Bears plus 580. Division seems like a pretty clear two-horse race, Packers and Vikes. Who do you like, Matt? Yeah, I think we're going to disagree here. I am taking Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I know that you know he's gotten hurt now a couple of times, and whenever he gets hurt, things absolutely go to hell for the Packers, which you know is not surprising. I mean, he's arguably the best quarterback in the league, and, and they don't have... Uh, a Nick Foles capable capable backup uh, behind him. But I really like getting Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson, you know, as their first two picks, sort of doubling down on cornerback to start the draft. That was easily one of their biggest weaknesses, if not their biggest weakness. So I thought getting two, you know, first round caliber players, um, you know, to fill in and, and potentially start right out of the gate for them is going to be huge. And, uh, you know, I know they've lost... Jordy Nelson, um, their their offense definitely seems to have gotten older, but I don't really think that matters. Aaron Rodgers is a stud. He's going to make whoever's on the field a good player. And um, keep your eyes on Equinemius St. Brown, fifth rounder. Uh, a lot of people thought that he was a day two type of pick, so it wouldn't shock me if uh, if he ends up getting on the field earlier rather than later. Matt, I'm going to surprise you here by by agreeing. Really? I, uh, yeah. I mean, I I like the Vikings. Like, I like what they've done, and I love obviously the Kirk Cousins edition. I love the defense. Um, but to me, Minnesota is a team I'd rather just bet to win the Super Bowl, and you get a little bit more uh, of an odds discrepancy there. The Vikings are are nine to one, and uh, Packers are only seven and a half to one. Like, I'd rather just bet Minnesota to win the whole thing than bet them at the same odds of the Packers to win the division because. Yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins is great, but Aaron Rodgers is better. And all the reasons that you mentioned in terms of the draft, like they really had a great draft. I mean, they drafted a punter in the fifth round, which I don't like. But <laughs> Yeah, but like, that guy's a weapon. Right, yeah. Weapon. <laughs> if you're going to draft a punter in the fifth round, draft that guy. But like getting the two corners, like Josh Jackson was a team that like a guy that like up until maybe the last week before the draft was a, was in the first round of like every mock. Yep. And uh, he ends up falling around two. Uh, like getting both of those guys is incredible. We know that corner was a huge point of weakness for them last season. 
and kind of has been for a few years. And, you know, you throw the three darts at receiver, uh, Jamon Moore, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, not huge fans. I mean, I they, they seem like they are guys who maybe can have roles. I'm not positive about them being starters. St. Brown, for sure, has upside to be like a real legit player. And uh, it will be someone I'm targeting in rookie drafts this year. Uh, you know, but the Packers were never really ever that far away. Like, I mean, if, if Rodgers hadn't gotten hurt last year, they probably would have, you know, been incredibly competitive you know like so just getting him back and making those small improvements on defense like i think you could argue that jordy is addition by subtraction at this point so yeah so like i minnesota i uh you know uh green bay is right back in the mix and listen you still got to go into green bay and win games like it's not hard to do it's not it's not easy to do so uh, i'm gonna take backers uh nfc south Another really tight division and probably one of the more fun divisions, I think, to track. Uh, Falcons and Saints are both both plus 150. Panthers come in at plus 250, and the Bucks are plus 450. Falcons, Saints, and Panthers all made the playoffs last season. Uh, do you like one of them to win the division, or is this the year that the Bucks finally live up to all their promise? That's a no dog. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know what? I'm going to throw this one to you first because I really – honestly, like, for me, this division could just come down to – picking the four teams out of the hat. It's going to be really close. I mean, I, I always tend to go with the Saints here just because I love the Drew Brees factor. I think that offensively, this is a team that can just beat you in so many different ways. Uh, the fact that they went and traded up for Marcus Davenport, like I think it was a pretty terrible move, honestly, um, just from like a draft equity standpoint. But, you know, there's no question that Davenport can come in and give them a little bit more of an edge on the pass rush. That's definitely something that teams can always use. And uh, Traquan Smith is like my adopted son at receiver. Like I'm really, really <laughs> pumped for him. Uh, have been on him for a while. I think that he can make really long plays happen. I mean, he averaged over 20 yards per catch at UCF. That's kind of the thing that guys do in New Orleans. Uh, the Teddy Ginn era, I think, needs to be over right now. Um, you know, g- give me more Traquan. I- I'm pretty pumped for that move and. This is a team that was already really strong on defense, a team that was already, or I should say at least much improved on offense, uh, on defense, and a team that can score points at will offensively. So uh, give me the Saints. The Falcons uh, have, I don't know what it is now after the draft, but they had you know, one of the oldest rosters in the entire league going into the draft, and that's not usually something that I'd like to bet on. So uh, I'm going to take the Saints. Yeah, I might take the Panthers at at plus 250 just because you're getting slightly better odds. And I did like what they did during the draft, Um, particularly DJ Moore in the first round. I think, you know, getting Cam Newton another weapon is big. Um, But yeah, again, like to me, this this division is always close to uh, a coin flip one way or the other. So uh, yeah, I probably won't actually bet any of these teams you know, I, I kind of like what you said earlier, this might be one where you want to bet these teams, you know, to make the playoffs or go over or under their respective win totals, as opposed to actually, you know, being the, the one who's left standing at the end and winning the division. Yeah, I definitely prefer the divisional chaos when it's like the AFC West, where all the teams are kind of like slightly above average to bad, <laughs> than, than like in the NFC South where all the teams are good. Because it's it really, you know, it's a division that can come down to literally one play. Yeah. And I'm fading the Bucks again. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sure that they're <laughs> going to be a popular sleeper team. But Always. until Jameis Winston shows me that he can avoid the dumb turnovers, which 
I think, you know, at this point, it's a real problem. Like, it's hard to say that he's going to improve on that now that this is his fourth year in the league. So uh, until he does that, I can't buy them as serious contenders. Yeah, he's uh, he's got a little Eli in him, and I don't mean that in a good way. <laughs> um, love Eli. So uh, <laughs> the NFC West is our last division. Rams are minus 150 favorites. Niners are plus 200. Seattle plus 300 and Cardinals plus 900. You know, the Rams were obviously one of the best stories from last year. Can they win the division this season, or are you buying the hype of Jimmy G and the Niners? If anything, I think I'm buying Seattle at plus 300. Like, I just always want to take Russell Wilson. But it wouldn't shock me um, if the Rams took a step back. Like, I'm still not 100% sold on Jared Goff. I know that he was good at times, uh, and uh, most of the time, I should say. But I think that that was a product more of the coaching staff than of his actual talent. Like, I still am shorting Jared Goff, I think, in the long term. Um, That being said, they probably are the most talented roster. This is another tough one for me, but I'm definitely not betting the Rams at minus 150. I think that a lot of the value is being taken out of, you know, with that number. Um, And then between the Niners and the Cardinals, I'll take the more proven quarterback, getting the the slightly better odds. Oh, so this is is where we're going to disagree, because I think that... uh... The Rams are probably one of my favorite bets mm. at minus one fifty, just because, like, so they won division last year. Yep, they've made a bunch of moves in the off season. I mean, they added Indomitian Sue, they added Akib Talib, they kept Lamarcus Joyner. Um, yeah, they traded for Brandon Cooks. Like, they've done a lot to improve their roster. So, like, if they had kept the same team, I'd probably be like along the same lines as you, but. Like they've just added so many good players, uh, Nikel Roby. Um, they traded for Marcus Peters. Like they are loaded to me defensively, and on offense, like I just trust McVay to get it done with you know Cooks and uh, Robert Woods and Gurley. Um, so like I, like to me, I actually think you're getting them at a little bit of a value just because. I don't think that Seattle is nearly as good as they have been in the past. And the fact that Pete Carroll's talking about like trying to run the football again Ugh. makes me feel like they are just going to suck uh, to get the ball to Russell. Why does Seattle hate Russell Wilson? That's that's a question. That's a sport head question that we need on like a talk show for like three hours. But uh, and, and the Niners, I think, are just a little overrated because of the Jimmy G thing. Like I, I'm not, I, I like I don't see what else the team has done to make them a true contender in, you know, in this division, but also just like overall, I think that we agree that they're overrated. So for those reasons, I'm buying the Rams and I'm buying them heavy. Yeah. I mean, uh, their Pythagorean expectation suggests that they were a little lucky last year. Um, Oh no, I'm sorry. That means they were a little unlucky if anything. So yeah, you might be right. Uh, you know, I personally just don't like these negative bets unless I think it's, a team that clearly has no competition. And uh, I think that both the Niners and Seahawks are legit competition. So we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, I know that you are all in Mr. Sean McVay. And uh, mm. that's that's a smart thing, I think, for the most part. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I'm just a little shaky on Goff. You know, like normally if you're going to lay big juice, you want to have an elite quarterback. And I'm just not sure if Goff is that yet. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I don't think that he is. And uh, certainly he played a lot worse towards the end of the season when teams were starting to figure out the whole, like, 
we're going to just audible at the line to match your defense. Like team started disguising coverages and stuff more like that. But then Gurley just went like total beast mode, (laughs) you know? So we'll see, we'll see if, uh, if there's any balance there. Uh, let's get to the book it. My bookie picks of the week, Matt, what are you giving the listeners this week? Yeah, we're going to the ponies. Uh, Kentucky Derby runs this Saturday, which is always a fun day. Uh, I'm going to throw a disclaimer out there by saying that I really don't know anything about horse racing. No one does. <laughs> That's no not true. Does. People do. There are people out there that do, uh, including my man, Paul LaDuca, best friend. You know, got to hang out with him. We almost split a cab one time. So, uh, yeah, like I think that <laughs> there are some potentially exploitable bets here. Uh, I really like at plus 700 Magnum Moon. Uh, undefeated horse. Has won its races by an average of over three lengths. Now, it didn't run until it was two years old. And there hasn't been a horse to win the Kentucky Derby that didn't race before two years old since literally the 1800s. So, uh, definitely that is concerning. But the prohibitive favorite in this race, Justify, at plus 350, he fits the same description. Um, so I think that Moon here is a talented horse. You get nice seven to one odds, and you could even combine that with another horse if you want. Uh, I kind of like Boldoro at plus six hundred, or Justify at plus three fifty. So I think if you take two of those horses and one of them wins, you can cash a nice little check there. I love it. I love that we're giving out the horse racing picks. This is great. Um, hey, you know who loves the ponies? Francesa. Yeah, you know you're right. I mean he. That you can't beat that. I, he probably will have a couple picks out there. I'll listen for that. Um, I'm going back to the gridiron, but I'm going to college football Love because it. the college win totals have been posted uh, for teams all across FBS. And uh, you've heard me profess my love for the Michigan Wolverines before on this podcast. Their win total is only eight and a half. And uh, this is surprising to me because they won eight games last year with uh, objectively the worst quarterback situation that I've ever seen for a good football team. Um, uh, you know, Johnny O'Corn or Jim O'Corn. I don't even know what his first name is. O'Corn. <laughs> oh, like, garbage. How about Jimmy Crackcorn? Yeah, Jimmy Crackcorn. <laughs> just terrible. They started like three or four different guys over the course of the season. They got nothing out of them. Uh, and this is a team that returns a ton of starters on defense. I mean, they did lose Mo Hurst to the draft. Uh, obviously a, a really big producer, but you know they have a ton of talent still on the defensive side of the football. They were one of the younger defenses in college last year, so obviously you get you know that means you get a lot of those guys back. And uh, they did get transfer quarterback Shea Patterson from Ole Miss, uh, who is someone that guys are talking about as you know not just a first round pick next year, but like a top ten or or top five pick in next year's NFL draft. Obviously. We're a long ways away from that point, but the fact that he is on that kind of a list just tells you how good he is. Honestly, I don't even think he has to be that good to make a huge impact to their offense because they were so bad. Um, so, like, you're really just asking them to win one more game. Over eight and a half is minus 110. Uh, I am very, very willing to bet that. And honestly, I, I'm advising the listeners to maybe exercise a little bit of patience as well because the under is getting a little more juice right now at minus 120. So, maybe we get it down to eight and we can push on eight. And I'd really like that. So a uh, huge fan of Michigan over this year. Interesting. Uh, yeah, their, their non-conference schedule doesn't appear to be 
too brutal. You know, they play at Notre Dame, which is, you know, probably going to be a tough game. But then home versus Western Michigan and home versus SMU. Um, they get home Wisconsin, home Penn State, uh, and then they're on the road for Michigan State and Ohio State. So that's kind of a mix, you know, their Big Ten schedule in terms of where the games are being played. Uh, they also are, are in the tougher part of the Big Ten, so it's not a guarantee that they're going to get to the Big Ten championship game, but it seems very likely that, you know, the bet would be pending and the team would get to the championship game anyway. So right. it should be squared away one way or the other by that point. Um, yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, I think that I agree with you. Like, you make some good, some good solid points, and uh, I'm always down to, to back the khakis. You know, <laughs> go with the good coaches. They they tend to get it done in college football. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, they do play like a tough part of the division because Nebraska should be a lot better this year with a new coach. Um, Wisconsin was good last year. Michigan State's usually pretty competitive. Um, but like some of the teams also are just pure garbage. Like Maryland and Rutgers are just ass. Like <laughs> will never be good. Like. <laughs> So don't, like I, don't down talk the Hoosiers now. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, no disrespect. No disrespect intended. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're basically asking them to win like two out of the Wisconsin, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State. They have to win two of those games. And I, I think that splitting even against those teams is reasonable. Yeah. So I'll sense. take the, take the Wolverines. So uh, that's going to do it for this edition of Laying the Points brought to you by my bookie. Please be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and get that deposit bonus on my bookie for using promo code LANGTHEPOINTS. For Matt LaMarca, I'm Anthony Miko. May the odds be ever in your favor. Back after this.